This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patrons, Kevin Miner, Justin Underland, and Neil Eichard for already donating. For more stories, or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com, or find us on Twitter at voiceofallmtg. And now, Voice of All presents... Extracurriculars, Episode 3 of Strixhaven, by Adana Washington. Looking out the window over his desk, Will could see the winds of autumn stirring fallen leaves across the courtyard. Students in the blue and red of Prismari passed by, laughing and chatting, sipping on hot drinks. When his eyes finally drifted back to the Ethics of Etheric Manipulation assignment, the questions had yet to complete themselves. He sighed and picked up his pencil again, just as the door to his dorm room creaked open. Rowan came in, her hair windblown and disordered, smiling about who knew what. Hey. Oh, hey. Where have you been? With Overnin and Blank. Rowan's smile departed. Your Witherbloom friends? That's right. She crossed the room to their closet and dug through it. They shared that closet, of course, but Rowan's half was little better than a bird's nest of assorted garments. Will stood up from his desk. Already finished your ethics of etheric manipulation assignment? Yup. Rowan tossed out bits and pieces of her winter uniform. And you're ready for the end of the week. They say Professor Onyx's exams are notoriously difficult. Rowan fiddled with a buckle. Had a what? The exam. You know, the one that's in two days. Oh, right. Will threw his hands up. Rowan, you're not taking any of this seriously. It's a privilege for us to be here. Don't you get that? She whirled on him, anger clear in her eyes. Oh, you think I'm just too dumb to understand the grand significance of all this. Is that it? Rowan, I didn't say that- I think there are plenty of lectures at Strixhaven without you joining them. It wasn't the words or the sudden surprising anger that made Will step back. It was the coils of electricity jumping between loose strands of hair on his sister's face. Rowan! He watched her cycle past anger to confusion, then embarrassment. She scrunched up her features, and the sparks faded into nothing. Are you okay? I'm fine. Before he could say another word, she grabbed the cloak of her winter uniform and stormed out the door. Two days later, he was no closer to completing Professor Onyx's assignment, despite moving from his room to one of the communal study areas of the biblioplex. Will slumped down in his chair, kneading his palms into his eyes. If someone would just turn me into a newt or something, it would probably save us all a lot of trouble. Across the table, Quint looked up from his own reading. His hands folded around a cup of tea, his long snout sniffing with delight at the rising steam. Is it about the etheric tether? Will nodded weakly. I hate aether. I hate tethers. I hate the whole idea. Tricky concept. <laughs> Have you tried consulting Il Samars? Will only raised the book he was reading so his friend could see the title. 
Treaty on Corporeal Manipulation. Hmm. Thanks for trying. Well, I'm sure something will come to you. For a while, the only sound between them was the flipping of pages and the occasional sipping of tea. Oh my! This is... Wait, I've seen this before! Quint grabbed another book, flipping until he found the page he wanted, and traced a line of text, comparing the two tomes in front of him. <laughs> I knew it! Arthalus the Magnificent and Byrod Horizon Seeker were the same person! <laughs> Will nodded absently, still stuck on Professor Onyx's unsolvable riddle. <laughs> There's just no mistaking this arcane sigil. Uh, this is astounding. I mean, it means the histories of the kingdoms below have to be rewritten from scratch, or at the very least reordered to account for... Oh. Will jumped as Quint's tea sloshed from his cup and landed on the books in front of him, splashing across the ancient vellum. His eyes went wide. What are we going to... Aizabo will have us in detention, Bog, for a month! Not if she doesn't see it! Quint set down his teacup next to the stained pages. You can't lift it. It'll take the ink with it. True, but if I call like to like... Quint's fingers began to glow. He dipped it in his teacup and then touched it to the book. The spilled tea began to rise, small droplets floating from the page to fall back into Quint's cup. He looked up with a grin. It's one of the spells we use to help us find scattered pieces during our digs. Quint took another sip of his collected tea as Will chuckled and ran a hand over the pages, finding them smooth and dry to the touch. <laughs> Impressive. Quint only shrugged. Eh, there's always a spell. Rowan looked around the bow's end from the table she shared with Auvernine and Plink. She had been meeting the Witherbloom witches there after classes for a week now, and it was quickly becoming one of her favorite places on the campus. She took a sip from the fizzing potion, pleased with the sharp, fruity taste. Did you hear about the duel yesterday? Densley's exam construct was destroyed! Ah, oh, that silver quill mage might as well have just set him on fire. Would have hurt less. Plink took another bite of food. Not if she did it right. I don't understand why they can't just wait until the Mage Tower match. Prismari, Silverquill, they can blast each other as much as they want then. All these duels are just pointless posturing. This was Auvernine. The other girls laughed and agreed, but Rowan's smile slipped. A duel sounded like just the thing to blow off some steam. Ever since the Deans had broken up the duel she and Will had stumbled into on their first day at Strixhaven, she'd been itching for another chance to let loose. That had been the only worthwhile part of coming here so far. Well, that and her friends from Witherbloom. Will, of course, seemed to be having the time of his life. As if she'd summoned him herself, Will walked through the door. He scanned the room until he met her gaze, and then made a beeline for the table. Rowan sighed and slumped over her potion. Oh, great. What? Plink looked up just as Will made it to the table. Uh, oh, it's your brother. Hello, Will. Will nodded to her before turning to Rowan. Professor Onyx posted the exam scores. Rowan shrugged. And? You barely passed, Rowan. I thought you said you didn't need any help. I passed, didn't I? Not that it's any of your business. 
We had weeks to prepare. You should know this stuff by now. And I could have helped you with the rest if you hadn't been so busy running around with your friends. Do they even know about how your powers- Outside. Now. Will shot a glance at the Witherbloom witches, then turned on his heels and stalked toward the door. When she caught up with him, Rowan grabbed her brother's arm. Where'd you get off embarrassing me like that? So they don't know about your magic sparking up any time you get angry. Will shook his head. Rowan, we're here to learn better control of our powers, not to get worse. And we're definitely not here to just have fun. We're Kenriths. That still means something here. Actually, well, it doesn't. Nobody here's even heard of Eldrain. I'm not here to represent anybody or anything but myself. <laughs> and you say you don't want to be like our birth mother? Rowan's eyes turned flinty, hard. What did you say? Will could feel the hair on his arms stand up as an electric charge coursed through the air around him. Calm down. I didn't mean- No! Well, say it again. Tell me how I'm like our mother. The door of the bow's end opened, and Alvernine and Plink rushed toward them with wide grins. We figured out the conversion! We're going to Wettershins to get supplies. Rowan glanced at them and plastered a friendly smile on her face. Wait up. I'll come with you. The Witherbloom witches nodded and fell into a frantic exchange as they headed off. When they were out of earshot, Rowan turned back to Will, the smile gone. Leave me alone, Will. You can't tell me what to do. I... Before he could finish, Rowan pushed past him and went to catch up with her friends. Despite sharing a room, he barely saw Rowan after that. Every day, by the time Will woke, his sister would already be gone, out to do whatever it was she did besides study. By the time the much-anticipated Mage Tower match between the Prismari and Silverquill teams came along, he hadn't spoken to her in weeks. As the players rushed across the field, whipping the elements into one another's palms, Will found himself wondering how she was doing. Next to him, Quint gasped and jumped up in his seat. Unreal! Wiggles using the Fourth Earth concept out there in the middle of all that chaos? <laughs> He's making it look easy! Will watched along with Quint as the Prismari player shifted great mounds of dirt and grass in circular formations, shoving them in the way of opponents and intercepting spells. Downfield, a Silver Quill player suddenly turned and leapt into the air, an arc of black flame propelling her upward as she caught the floating mascot for her team, a blob-like shape-shifting inkling. Cheers erupted in the stands around them. Will turned to Quint. What about that one? Quint frowned. I'm not sure. That may be a variation on Arnold's combustion. Across the field, Another wave of Silverquill spells sent the crowd into a frenzy. Memories of the duel they had witnessed on their first day floated through Will's mind, with thoughts of Rowan inevitably trailing behind them. He'd heard that she'd gotten into a few duels around campus since their fight at Bow's End. Suddenly, Quint grew tense next to him, leaning forward in his seat. No! Quint sat up even straighter, his eyes glued to the field. No way is that gonna work! Will followed his gaze to where a Prismari player barreled toward the opposite team, charging right at the player holding the mascot. All the crowd watched 
as the Prismari player threw out a hand wreathed in a circle of crimson light. The inkling began to glow, a halo of red light appearing over its shifting black head. Suddenly, it leaned over and sunk two long, liquid fangs into the Silver Quill player's hand. Ow! She dropped the inkling, just in time for the Prismari player to scoop it up. The entire arena exploded in cheers. Mascot interception! Brilliant! Quint grabbed Will and wrapped him in a hug as they both cheered with the rest of the crowd. So he hypnotized it. Well, he took control of it altogether. But it's a simple trick, you understand. Only works on summoned creatures, but... <laughs> Whoa! Will turned, looking at the students and professors and even some villagers in the stands. He took in their excitement, a smile crossing his face. But it wilted as he spotted Rowan across the aisle, staring directly at him. Let's get out of here. But the game isn't over. Plink grunted as Alvernine elbowed her into silence. She nodded toward the other side of the aisle, and Plink followed her gaze. Oh. You should at least say hello. Oh, should I? Plink patted her arm. He's your brother. That's not something to take for granted. Rowan scowled, but her resolve crumbled under the attention of both her friends. Fine. She sidled past the others seated in her row and stepped into the aisle. A moment later, Will met her there. They both stood there a moment, awkward, unsure what to say. So, how are things? You know, fine. Still hanging out with your Witherbloom friends? Will gestured behind her. Rowan's lip stiffened. That's not a problem, is it? No. Maybe you just chose the wrong college, is all. What's that supposed to mean? Well, you clearly have no interest in really learning. And they're nature mages. It's not like they'd care that you can't control your powers. I can control them. See me? Right now, not blasting you with lightning. Oh, so you didn't brawl enough around campus these last few weeks. Then what exactly have you been doing? Because I know studying hasn't made the list. Will knew better than to needle her like this, but he couldn't help himself. He was angry at her for shutting him out, for leaving him on his own these last few weeks. If all you wanted to do was fight, I wish you had just stayed on Kylum! He didn't mean it, but that didn't matter. He saw from the strands of hair that began to stand up on Rowan's head, twitching and crackling with energy, that he had gone too far. <laughs> I'll show you what I've been learning. Will felt the spark jump from her outstretched hand and pass through his whole body in an instant. His muscles jerked and seized, and he pitched over sideways, collapsing. You wish I'd stayed on Kylum? Well, I wish you'd stayed dead. Hey! Will could barely move his arms, but he could reach out with his other senses. Rowan gasped as a rime of frost suddenly solidified around her boots, freezing her feet in place. He muttered under his breath, fog puffing around his face. Rowan extended another hand, crackling with energy. But before she could discharge it, a layer of ice condensed around her fist. She cried out from the sudden cold and pain. Stop! In an instant, the crowd went silent. Rowan glanced toward the students around them, only to see Auvernine and Plink back away. 
More students moved, clearing a path as a shadow fell over Will. He squinted as he looked up, meeting Professor Onyx's gaze. All of you will return to your seats. You two, however, are to come with me. Will and Rowan followed Professor Onyx through the dark halls of one of the Witherbloom buildings. The shadows here were too deep to make out details, but something organic grew from the joined stone of the hallway, and a scent somewhere between floral and rot surrounded them on all sides. By all accounts, you didn't want to end up on the wrong side of Professor Onyx. All sorts of horror stories about her passed through the Prismari dorms, and while Will didn't think it was likely that they'd end up incubators for some carnivorous undead fungus, he wasn't ready to completely rule it out. Worse, what if they got kicked out? They followed her into her office. With a gesture, Professor Onyx ignited a few candles which burned with purple flame. What was all that about? Nothing. Just two siblings blown off steam. Last I checked... Tossing around bolts of lightning is more than ordinary sibling rivalry. She glared at Rowan. Strife between a brother and sister is a special kind of pain. And it takes a special kind of fool to foment it. Will saw Rowan bristle at the insult. <clears throat> it's my fault. I started the fight. He felt Rowan's eyes on him, but kept his gaze forward. Professor Onyx looked between them and shook her head. She sat down in her chair. For a moment, Will could have sworn she looked very tired. There are those who wish this place, and all who call it home, great harm. If we're fighting amongst ourselves, they'll find that task far easier. Professor, who exactly are you talking about? She regarded him for a moment, holding him with those violet eyes. Have you heard of the Auric? Losers who couldn't pass the entrance exam. Or who flunked out, right? Professor Onyx <laughs> chuckled, but it sounded far from happy to Will. <laughs> That's one way to put it. But underestimating them would be foolish. For all we might think otherwise, Strixhaven doesn't have a monopoly on power in this plane. That made Will sit straight up in his seat. This plane? Then Professor so Onyx as... But all she did was smile. Rowan must have missed it. She was still chewing over the comment about the Auric. But if they were actually planning some sort of attack, the professors would do something about it, wouldn't they? Maybe. And maybe not. The question to consider is, what would you do about it? The fresh air hit Will's lungs cold and clear as he followed Rowan out of the Witherbloom building. His sister was already halfway down the path, headed for the cafe. Later. What? Didn't you hear what the professor just said? We have to do something! Like what? It's their college. Let them deal with it. Will shook his head. What if that's not enough? There are only so many professors here, Rowan. 
And we can't rely on them to be able to defend us all. There has to be a way we can protect ourselves. Protect the other students. For the last time, well, this isn't Eldrain. We're not royalty here. We can't just order problems away. Being royalty didn't stop us from nearly being killed back home either. <laughs> At least here we have the biblioplex. All that knowledge, that there has to be something that will help us. I don't want to be helpless again. Will didn't miss the shudder that went over Rowan. She squared her shoulders and clenched her jaw. She must have been remembering Oko and their father. Even now, it wasn't something that either of them could completely forget. Rowan looked back at him, over her shoulder. You dig through all the old books you want well. I'll prepare my own way for whatever's coming. Will sighed as Rowan turned on her heels and left. <sighs> on my own, then. Again. Kazmina sat still among the trees outside campus as her owl showed her a small courtyard just outside the biblioplex. Below, she could see the Kenrith girl sending forked lightning across the lawn. Nearby, two Witherbloom students watched. One applauded. The other said something she couldn't make out. The vision of the courtyard blurred at the edges, fading into a vastly different landscape. Kazmina switched her focus to a different owl. The twins disappeared as shadows and red stone filled her vision instead. She watched as Luca stood with a masked auric agent. The agent shifted, pulling something from beneath their cloak and holding it out to the planeswalker. Kazmina's owl turned its head to get a better view. It was a silver mask shaped like a human skull. Luca shook his head. His face shifted, his skin darkening, and his ears stretching to points as he took on the markings of his fox companion. He watched the auric agent leave, and then suddenly turned to stare right at the owl, causing Kazmina to lean back on reflex. She sent a mental command at the bird, and it took flight, soaring up and out of the auric caves. She'd seen more than enough. Rowan sat in Overnine's room, watching absently as the girl poured and stirred a glowing potion at her desk. She was exhausted. She'd been training for weeks, working out the best ways to channel the power that seemed to be flowing through her day and night now. For all that, though, she'd made little progress. A high screech pulled Rowan from her thoughts. She frowned as Alvernine lifted a squirming, worm-like creature from a glass jar. What is that? Alvernine's focus stayed on the creature as she placed it in a metal dish. Come and saw, Gobbler. Took me an hour to find one this big. What are you... Rowan's words died as Alvernine began to chant. Her hands held over the pest. The creature went still, its bunches of beady black eyes wide. As Alvernine's voice filled the room, the worm began to rise from the plate, twisting and shivering as glimmering energy rose from its plump body. 
Rowan's hand went to her mouth as she watched the creature's life force flow through the air and into her friend's potion. The liquid flared and bubbled, the color fading from a deep purple to a vibrant red. As Alvernine finished the spell, the salt gobbler flopped onto the dish, its body heaving as it struggled to breathe. Rowan grimaced. That is just creepy. A little. Alvernine nodded. She picked up her potion and inspected it. The potion requires more power than I can get from pure herbology. But if I can get it right, this could help a lot of people. Some sacrifices are necessary for the greater good. Don't you think? Rowan only shrugged, her gaze falling back to the pest. Unpleasant memories of her mother welled to the surface. She willed them right back down. Sacrifices. Right. Rowan found Will in the biblioplex, surrounded by a pile of tomes and scrolls. Will reached for another book, flipping through its pages as he mumbled under his breath. This isn't exactly what I'd call training. He looked up at her, clearly surprised. After a moment, his attention dropped back to the texts in front of him. If the Auric are as dangerous as people say they are, then the spells we know may not be enough. We should focus on adding more to our arsenal. Or we could find a way to put more power behind what we already have. But Will only turned another page, his eyes scanning the text. Ignoring his dismissal, Rowan looked around. Across the room, next to a diligently studying Prismari student, floated a jellyfish-looking creature. An elemental, a construct of enchanted water shot through with glowing veins of pure, arcane energy. Rowan swallowed some of the disgust she'd felt at what Alvernine had done. It's just a spell, like any other. Rowan, what are you doing? Will finally looked up from his books. She shushed him, her focus narrowed to the elemental. Electricity crackled and leapt across her fingers as she pulled the veins of power out of its watery surface toward her. It collapsed, finally, into a puddle on the stone floor. The energy gathered in her palm, sparking and roiling, before suddenly exploding in a burst of lightning that stood her hair on end. The Prismari student nearly fell out of his chair, scooping up his books and glaring back at Rowan as he fled. Rowan, you can't just pull the magic out of whatever you feel like. Besides, we haven't taken any classes on siphon in theory. You'll hurt yourself, or, or somebody else. Well, the Orc aren't worried about following syllabi, and they aren't going to follow campus guidelines. For the first time in what felt like forever, she was speaking calmly and evenly. They're going to do whatever it takes. That means we've got to do the same. Having these powers is a responsibility, Rowan. That's part of what being here is all about. Otherwise, we might use them for, for selfish purposes. For dark ones. Didn't you learn anything from our mother? Or from Oko? Yeah. I learned that when you're not afraid to break the rules, you can get a whole lot done. Good luck with your books. She left him there. When Lorehold Librarian came by a few minutes later to ask about the lightning bolt that had briefly illuminated the stacks, Will 
didn't have much of an answer. Kazmina felt her owl land on the top of her staff, but her gaze was fixed on the horizon. A figure appeared at the edge of the courtyard, silhouetted by the light of the setting suns. She recognized the set of his shoulders, the rigid, military way he carried himself. She recognized the fox that stood at his feet, too. It's a shame to see a man like you fallen so far. What would your unit think of their former leader becoming a pawn in someone else's scheme? They wouldn't think much of it, I imagine. Considering half are in the ground and the other half want me dead. Just how long have you and your fake birds been watching me? Long enough to know that this path will only lead to more pain, for you and many others. I'm not going to let you do that, Luca. I'm done being told how to live. And I'm nobody's pawn! The mages who run this school think they're better than anyone else. And the whole damn world just nods and goes along with it. I'm going to show them they're wrong. I had hoped you might yet become an ally. That you could use those gifts of yours for the common good. But I see I have overestimated you. Before Luca could respond, Kazmina's owl shot off her shoulder, launching itself into the air. With a flap of its wings, the air around Luca's fox suddenly condensed into a raging sphere. As the wind spun and swirled around the animal, Kazmina sent a scythe of pressurized air straight at Luca's chest. He narrowly ducked under the invisible blade, and it went straight past him, slicing through a stand of trees. Luca glanced at Mila, his face growing sharper and leaner as he tried to connect with her. But the animalistic features faded almost as soon as they surfaced. With a slash of her arm, Kazmina sent another blast of wind toward him, this one narrow and pointed like a lance. Luca rolled to one side, then came up unsheathing his blade. He charged Kazmina with bestial speed. She brought up her staff just in time to catch the sword and the wooden shaft. Her eyes lit up silver. But before she could unleash another spell, Luca spun away, snatching his blade free and sending her stumbling forward. These dragons? Those dragons, guard! They've held power over these people for too long! They've made them fearful of every shadow, every unfamiliar face! What happens when it's not just the Auric they're hunting down? When it's anyone! who practices magic in a way they don't like. Kazmina turned and threw out her hand as Luca swung again. A wall of blue light went up between them, curving around her. You can't see beyond your own pain, Luca. Do you think Extus is going to change all that? Do you think he's going to share power with you? He only fights for himself! Luca slammed his weapon against the wall of light, his face contorted with rage. Frankly, I don't give a damn what he does! After all of this is burned to the ground! She took a step forward, her shield forcing Luca back. He swung his blade again and again, trying to force his way through with brute strength, until Kazmina flicked her hand. The light shifted, beams of it shooting out and catching Luca in the stomach. He flew back and landed next to his trapped fox. 
Before he could get up, Kazmina was there, the point of her staff held just under his chin. Yield! It's over. <laughs> over? Oh no, it's only the beginning. Kazmina paused. In the rush of combat, she'd stopped keeping track of her owls. What she saw now, what had crept up to the very outskirts of the school, sent cold shocks through her. I didn't come here to beat you. I'm not dumb enough to believe that I could do that yet. But they sure can. The ground trembled beneath them. The horizon began to crawl and shift with movement as a swarm of chitinous, chittering forms scurried between the trees. From their segmented bodies rose a sickly, purple glow. It was as if the whole forest burned with unnatural fire. Hey, Chuntus. What have you done? Done? I told you. Luca turned his head and spat blood from his mouth. He smiled baring his stained teeth. We're just getting started. The mage hunter's glow was even brighter now as they closed in. Kesmina closed her eyes and concentrated on another plane, another place. A cloud of white feathers whipped over her, and she was gone. Luca got to his feet and dusted himself off. Light footsteps approached, and soon Extus stood next to him. Are you sure you're in control? No Warwick has ever tried to control these many at once. Luca nodded. I'm not like your other mages. There was movement behind him, the rest of the Auric coming to a stop at the edge of the courtyard. The agent stood ready, waiting for Extus's command. Extus squared his shoulders and nodded. Commence the attack. Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by reviewing and following us on your favorite podcast apps or YouTube, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. Extracurriculars was written by Adana Washington. The podcast was produced and edited by Gindo Keshi with sound editing by Noxshade. This week's story featured the voice talents of Troy Allen, Nyla C., Ray O'Hare, Magic Cat, Rachel Lee, Susie O'Neill, Bryn Curry, Robert Billadeau, and Derek Alvarez. Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright, Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening. Y'all have a great day. <laughs>